everybody, welcome. We'll uh, begin again with the meditation. We'll have a sitting and then a talk and then discussion. And so please um, find a posture that's comfortable and upright. And when you find the posture, whether you're on a bench or a cushion or a chair or standing or lying down, <clears throat> I'm getting a, a note from somebody. Uh, somebody's asking about the password. Um, I'll send it to you. Um, I'm talking to all of you, but I'm talking to one person here. Um, so I want you to find yourself in your body embodied in whatever way works for you. And the piece that I want to highlight and that I'll be part of the talk later that I'll be highlighting is what's called the proprioceptive awareness, proprioceptive awareness. And it's very simply the knowing of the basic shape of your body as you're sitting here. And it's like when you know you're sitting down, you, you know you're sitting. When you know you're standing, you know you're standing. It's just the direct knowing, the being fully aware of this very ordinary experience we don't pay attention to, which is sometimes called proprioceptive awareness. Um, it's also the kinesthetic experience that we have that is just the body knowing itself and the shape it's taken. And so just feel or sense your body in this shape. And you could feel all of your body or every iota of your body or part of your body, or you could just have a very general flavor of the shape. It doesn't have to be precise, although it could be very precise. You might feel all the, all the, all the different curves and shapes and angles that your body has taken. But it's one of the ways that we're encouraged to become embodied is with this proprioceptive awareness. And so the mindfulness of the body comes from sensing or feeling or knowing directly 
the sense of body sitting here. And as you feel, sense, start to become attuned to your body and the posture that it's taken, please feel free to let any part of the body that may be tight or tense or unrelaxed if possible, to simply or easily relax it. And as you relax here, uh, being more embodied, you can see kind of how simple mindfulness of the body can be, this first foundation, which is just knowing the body as it's sitting here. And the fact that it's sitting not so much as a concept, even though you'll know it conceptually, but you can know it experientially by feeling or sensing this proprioceptive awareness of the body itself. And as we get settled here, please see what it's like to become mindful of the fact that the body is breathing. And we wanna be mindful of the breath from within the body and the breathing itself not from a distance, meaning we may be observing the
the coming and going, the rising, falling, the in and out of the breath. But we want to experience it directly as the body does it. So we want to be able to feel it or sense it in a very relaxed way so that it's an experiential practice of mindfulness of the breathing. It's bodyfulness of the breathing. And it can be very simple, very easeful, and very much an, an awareness of the sense of body itself breathing.
And the instructions are really just as simple. Stay with the body, the breathing, and don't lose a sense of the proprioceptive awareness of the body sitting here, the posture of the body as it's breathing. And if you find yourself getting involved in thoughts or feelings or other sounds, or sensations, please relax and see what happens if you devote yourself to the body, the breath, the knowing of the body just sitting here. In this very simple way that's often difficult for us. Go with the simplicity of the aliveness that's sitting in your seat physically.
I'll ring the bell in a minute to end the formal sitting. But don't stop practicing as the bell rings and you move or shift your posture, stretch for a moment. Stay, stay aware of your body. Stay aware of the different posture you go into or the different form your body takes. And when I say stay aware of it, both you can be aware conceptually, but be aware experientially, feel it. Be mindful of the body by experiencing it directly as you move about in a moment. And of course, it's an, it adds a little complexity when we open our eyes for many of us. But stay close to your body, even with your eyes open. Usually you can see fine, but keep feeling, sensing, being aware of the living experience of being embodied in whatever way feels comfortable for you. Because even... The seeing, what you're seeing is out there, but what is seeing is right in you. And what's knowing that you're seeing is right is within you. And that's part of the direction of Satipatthana and the foundations of mindfulness is to kind of wake up to the truth of the way things are right here, right now. And so I'm not asking you to do anything extraordinary. I'm asking you to, if you can, do something very ordinary, which is be right here and right here in the living experience of being embodied. And, you know, we've been going through the Satipatthana Sutta beginning with the definition of, you know, Satipatthana and, you know, what it means to be, um, to be um, um, ardent, uh, fully aware, mindful, which we talked about as part of the definition of what it is to be, to practice Satipatthana. And then we went through the refrain, which is about being mindful internally and externally and watching the rising and passing of each moment but also being aware that we're not, or letting Satipatthana reveal how we're not cling, we can't cling to anything in the world, that we can't cling to anything in the world. <clears throat> and then last Thursday, we began with the formal practices of mindfulness of breathing. And today we want to continue with really developing or embodying the first foundation of mindfulness, mindfulness of the body. And this is a quote from my teacher's teacher's teacher, um, 
uh, Ajahn Mun, and he said this, he said, in your investigation of the world, never allow the mind to desert the body. Never allow the mind to desert the body. Examine its nature, see the elements that comprise it, see the impermanence, the selflessness of the body while sitting, standing, walking, or lying down. When its true nature is seen fully and lucidly by the heart, the wonders of the world will become clear. In this way, the purity of heart and mind can shine forth, timeless and delivered. So uh, I always feel like, oh, this is a very potent exclamation of the Dharma and understanding of practice, right? That you stay very close to what this experience, of course, and I'm pointing at each of you, to the experience that's sitting in your seat and then see what happens if you start to stay close to it, whether it's sitting, standing, walking, lying down, because he's saying, he's, here's the carrot that he's offering. He's saying when its true nature is seen fully and lucidly by the heart and mind, the wonders of the world will become clear. And it's true what he's saying. It's, it is. And you may not know that, but I have some knowing of that. You might trust me for, you know, a few more weeks of this to see if it's true or not. Because where else would the wonders of the world be if not right where you're sitting? Right? Where else would they be? I mean, they could be at Spirit Rock, but Spirit Rock's closed now, so they're not there. Right? Or they could be somewhere we, proje we always project it out instead of looking in where the Buddha pointed us that, it, that the whole Dharma is sitting right here, which is what uh, Munindraji who was Joseph Goldstein's first teacher in Asia, he would always point at him and say, oh, the whole Dharma is right here. And I, I love that because it's true. And it's true for each of us. The whole Dharma is right here. And by the way, I love it if you, I love the people who I can see. There's a lot of people where I just get names. And I know some of the names. I know some of you. And some of you, you know, says, uh, uh, yeah. It's, it's anyhow, I'm just saying my preference for I like seeing you. There's only one person, it just says iPhone, and I know what iPhones look like, but I don't know what you look like. So I would love to, it's, it's more fun to actually be here a little more fully with you. Thanks, Johnny, and good to see you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, um, uh, Oh, my talk. Back to the talk. <clears throat> um, um, uh, so part of what the first foundation is pointing us at, encouraging, is this embodied awareness, right? Because this is where the whole Dharma is, right? This is where reality is. This is where the truth can be found, is right where you're sitting. And... Um, how many people, and you can do this on the, on the uh, I think it's on the, on the, I'm not sure, it might be on the, the participant screen. Raise your hand if you don't believe the whole Dharma is sitting right in your seat. 
right? Because I think a lot of us don't believe it and we act like it isn't when actually it is. We think it's somewhere else or somehow something quite magical has to happen. But the magicalness is just seeing, oh, this is it. This is where reality is, is in this consciousness that's embodied. And so we're moving on with uh, the Satipatthana and the, the sense of embodiment that Analyo, who wrote, um, I've got his book over there and I've got another book of his over here, which you, I can't even, I don't even have my screen up. Let me go to speaker view, right? Another Satipatthana book um, talks about embodiment. And it's what I love about his teaching and practicing with him is that he really supports one's embodiment as part of practice. And this week, uh, this week both, both tonight and Thursday, we're really going to go into it with different parts of the Satipatthana Sutta. And so in this next section, it says, and after mindfulness of breathing, it goes to postures. And it says bhikkhus, when walking, a bhikkhu understands or a bhikkhu knows, I am walking. When standing, one understands, I am, I am standing. When sitting, one knows, I am sitting. When lying down, one understands I am lying down. Or one, according, or one understands accordingly however one's body is disposed, right? One understands accordingly. One is mindful whatever is happening with the body of this really magical experience of being alive and physically alive, embodied, consciousness embodied. Right. And part of what I really appreciate about the sutta and the experientialness is that there's a phrase that I heard on the retreat I just taught from my friend Philip Moffat. And it was a, it's a good phrase. He talks about being a participant observer, that we're aware of it, but we're participating in it at the same time. And so there's a knowing, and then there's an experiencing together, right now, just being aware of your body. You can be the participant observer. So that mindfulness is not from a distance. It's an experiential mindfulness. And personally, I really have learned a lot from postures over the many years of practice. And uh, of course, when I was first sitting uh, retreats, all I wanted to do was sit. I thought sitting was where it's at. That's where all the goodies are. And so I would sit and learned how to sit long time without moving, even with a lot of pain. And, you know, and that's something one can learn, especially when one is young and a little uh, macho in that way, trying to, you know, be the best meditator in the room and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it's a skill that one can develop. Um, but it took me a while to really appreciate walking and appreciate especially standing meditation. And the walking, I, I got quicker than the standing because I got that, I understood that when I'm walking, if I could stay focused on the experience of walking, 
There was all that was there was samadhi. I wasn't. I, there was nothing to think about. It was just, and also I was using the noting practice we used to use. So you tether your mind to the experience of lifting, moving, placing, lifting, moving, placing, or step, 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 and that's it. And so it's just one thing. You start to bring body and mind together, which is one of the uh, conditions that support samadhi in meditation and it's very helpful but the standing I didn't learn until I did a I did a long retreat I did a six-week retreat at IMS for the first time and you know there's nothing to do but sit and walk and eat right that's the whole deal for six weeks and at some point I thought well I'll try some standing meditation because they encouraged it and uh, and I love standing, and I would stand. I ended up standing an hour a day, one 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 stand for an hour a day. And again, the samadhi, the unification of heart and mind that happened, right? Came the heart, mind, body came together. It was like, oh no, I was just standing. That's all that was happening. And it's so simple. It's difficult. Because we all want more complexity. We're all attached to complexity, whether it's uh, ordinary complexity or spiritual complexity. We all get attached to complexity because it's the world we live in. It's the world we know is very complex. And even now, it's one of the things that's so interesting about coronavirus is we're all asked to, being, to live much simpler. Right? I mean, does everybody agree with that? Is that something you you see? Right? There's a lot less to do. I mean, I might have said this. I've said it a few times, but I kept thinking, well, at least I can go out to the movies. You know, I could sit, you know, six seats away from somebody until I realized, oh, there's no movies anymore, you know? And, and I'm very, very, a lot of grief for Eugene. No, no, I'm kidding. A little bit of grief because I like the movies. But, but I was looking for some entertainment. It's not there. It's sports aren't on TV, which I like. You know, there's just, and so life is much simpler. And, and we're so attached to, um, to complexity, all of us. And it's so interesting to see what does it take to let go and not cling to anything in this world, even complexity. And so, the um, personally, I learned a lot about um, the postures and just practicing with the body in this somatic kinesthetic way that I like to practice. And the word that's uh, called upon, that's used in Pali, is sampajana. Sampajana. It means uh, intensifying or completing knowing or intensifying or completing understanding and it's part of what leads to um, samadhi and it really um, is is often translated sampajana is is translated either as clear comprehension or full awareness clear comprehension or full awareness and so in the next section of the teaching, after the postures, which I read, I'm going to read to you the one about full awareness in all activities. 
or Sampajana is what it, how it's titled in Pali, right? But it's really having complete comprehension or full awareness in every activity, even right now while you're sitting there, however you're sitting, or if you're moving, it's fine to move, but have like even this, this is being known, right? My movement of my hand, I know it um, uh, kinesthetically, I know it, um, uh, I know it, it can, um, it, in an internal way. It's not just a mind knowing, it's a body knowing that can happen. It's the kinesthesia of the movement that's here. And so the Buddha says, a bhikkhu is one who acts in full awareness when going forward and returning, who acts in full awareness when looking ahead and looking away who acts in full awareness when flexing or extending one's limbs, who acts in full awareness when wearing one's robes and carrying one's uh, outer robe and bowl, who acts in full awareness when eating or drinking. I already ate the apple, so I won't have any more right now, but when eating or drinking, consuming food and tasting, who acts in full awareness when defecating and urinating, who acts in full awareness when walking, standing, sitting, falling asleep, waking up, talking, and listening. And I love this section of the Satipatthana Sutta. It's maybe my favorite section because it's all about total embodiment in everything we do. And it's got no... Uh, no taboos, right? It's not saying, oh yeah, only when you're acting, you know, when you're outside or you're clean or you're this or you're that, you know, even when you're going to the bathroom. Go ahead, tonight, when you go to the bathroom, stay mindful of your body while your body is urinating or defecating. See what happens if you start playing with practicing 24 hours a day. Why not? It's a great place to practice in the bathroom. Usually we're alone, so it's not going to disturb anybody if you're meditating while you're going to the bathroom. And, you know, and, and it's just pointing at us to practice everywhere and see what happens if the awareness is suffusing your life, is saturating your experience, and it's saturating the physicality of what it is to be alive. This is from uh, Sayada Utejaniya. He says it a little differently. He says, don't just be mindful when you are in sitting meditation. Be mindful in all activities, postures, and movements. Be mindful when you're eating, walking, waiting, and working. Be aware when you're reading, listening, watching, or looking. And he's good at this. If you want to check out somebody who's alive, who really knows this kind of practice, thoroughly and lives it and lived it as a householder for many years and kept being asked to teach by his teachers and now he's a monk but he's still he's the same guy i've practiced with him and spent a little time with him he's very interesting quirky good good guy and really um and he talks if you read about him you'll see he talks about how he practiced 
when he was the uh, owner of a store and selling things and how he just devoted himself to being aware while he was doing the sales. And he would do the sales. He didn't want to not do the sales. He, he had a family and wanted to support them, but he wanted a practice and he, his practice fired his life or in, infused his life with awareness. And so the key to embodied awareness is through the direct experience of knowing, being mindful, being aware. And uh, in this book, Analyo talks about it really a lot as proprioceptive awareness, which I love the term. And here it says here, the term proprioceptive, proprioception refers to the ability to sense the position of the body and its movements. So it's just knowing this. It's knowing that it's feeling this. It's knowing it not from a distance from the thing. So everybody move their hand. Go ahead. Don't be shy. We're all not looking at you. And just feel that. Do it slow enough so you feel it. Right? And so then you, you immediately have an embodied awareness, an embodied mindfulness, right? Or while you're drinking, Johnny, perfect. That's good. You know, or whatever it is. Or Nina, when you're, when you're leaning over, great. It's the same practice, right? As doing this. And that gives us a tool that we can take anywhere. And he, yeah, he says, let me see what else he says. Well, he says a bunch of different things. I wrote some down. Uh, the term proprioception, ability to sense position of body and movements. Here's an interesting piece. I'll say more about this later, but proprioception is a sensual experience. It's, it's knowing the experience through the senses, not just through the intellect, even though technically even the intellect are part of the senses in Buddhism. And so what he goes on to say is he says, even with eyes closed, we're able to know the position of the body uh, uh, through this ability, through the proprioception. It's a felt sense of physical presence. And you could close your eyes and feel it now. You just feel the sense of your body. And again, you won't have the exact experience of uh, the photograph of your body, but you'll have a living experience of your body that's being known right now. And that's valuable. That's key, in my opinion. Right, And so what he says, he says the felt physical presence provides an easily available sense of here and mindfulness itself keeps us in the now. In this way, mindfulness of the body can combine spatial and temporal dimensions that facilitate our being fully in the here and now. And then I like, you know, I looked up a little the words proprioception and stuff and 
and it also referred to as kinesthesia, right, where kinesthetic comes from, and it's a sense of self-movement and body position, and sometimes scientists call it the sixth sense, which I thought was very cool, the sixth sense, right, besides, you know, seeing, smelling, tasting, touching, hearing, whatever the other senses are, right, there's a sense of this knowing that comes from our proprioceptive awareness. And kinesthetic is the awareness of the same, of the positions of the bodies and the, uh, knowing it through the sensory organs, the proprioceptors in muscles and joints. And so it's really the intelligence of the body being a doorway for us, not just the intelligence of the brain, and it's not like you have to get rid of one for the other. They're both good. We want both of them. We want the whole show. We want the full human experience that leads to awakening because this is where it's sitting, is in your seat. And so, as I said, it's a sensual experience. And of course, then I had to look up the word sensual. And... Um, and it means sensual, sensual, sensuous is a neutral term relating to the senses rather than the intellect, right? And it's so when, when things, when we're sensing our body as a practice, it's both sensate and sensual, meaning we're saturating or permeating or infusing or steeping or soaking our body and our breath with awareness. And then we're seeing how the knowing happens through the living experience, which is alive. And of course, uh, sensate, which were sensate beings, it comes from the Latin sensatus, meaning having senses. And from also, and that comes from sensus, or the faculty of feeling, thought, meaning, and from the root word of feel. And it's all about. It's, it's not just uh, seeing from a distance. It's a direct experiencing of the life that's sitting in each of our seats. Whatever, whatever, you know, however old you are, however young you are, however healthy you are, however unhealthy you are, there is life right here that's alive. And we can be aware of it. We can be aware of it directly. Hmm. And then Analio goes on, he says, mindfulness, this kind of mindfulness of the body results in a sense of being firmly grounded in the body. It is an embodied awareness. Such embodied awareness does not need to interfere with other tasks and activities. It becomes part of them. Which is really beautiful. It's a beautiful understanding of the potential for practicing everywhere all the time even with complexity, because our body's here all the time, wherever, as long as we're alive. And even when we're having experiences that are uncomfortable, our body's here, our body's part of it. Suzuki Roshi, he said this way, he said, to stop your mind does not mean to stop the activities of mind. To stop your mind does not mean to stop the activities of mind. It means your mind, heart, pervades your whole body. 
Your mind follows the breathing. With your full mind and heart, you form the mudra of your hands. With your full mind and heart, you sit with painful legs. Right? It's just part of the deal. Even when you're doing your mudra, you're right here. And the here is not just as a, it's, it's being a participant observer, not just an observer. And then let's see, I've got another quote. It's a great quote from Miranda Shaw, who wrote a book called Passionate Enlightenment. And it says, embodiment, she says, embodiment is understood to be not a soul in a body, but rather a multi-layered mind-body continuum, continuum of corporality, affectivity, cognitivity, and spirituality whose layers are subtly interwoven and mutually interactive. And of course, I'll read that again. It's very complex. But she says, embodiment is not just the soul and the body, but rather a multi-layered mind-body continuum of corporality, meaning physicalness, affectivity, in affectivity, which is emotionality, cognitivity, Mental, mentalness and spirituality, which is bigger than all of the above or contains all of the above or in, is infused through with all of the above, right? Whose layers are subtly interwoven and mutually interactive. This non-self is, is seen not as a bounded or static entity, but as the site of a host of energies, inner winds and flames, disillusions, melting and flowing that can bring about dramatic transformations in, in embodied experience and provide a bridge between humanity and divinity. Right? It's beautiful, beautiful what she says when she just says the host of energies, inner winds, flames, dissolutions, melting and flowing that bring um, change in, in embodied experience and provide a bridge between our humanness and our divinity, if you will, is what she's saying, and the awakening that's available right here. And just the last quote, which I'll say, which is, came after the Buddha died, and it came from Ananda, who was his attendant, Actually, I believe his cousin also was his attendant and uh, lived with him for many years and, uh, you know, took care of the Buddha. And after the Buddha died, he had his grief, right? Because which I believe any of us would have if we're good friends hanging out with the Buddha and he died, right? We would miss him. And, and Ananda said, all the directions are obscure. All the directions are obscure. The teachings are not clear to me. With our benevolent friend gone, it seems as if all is darkness. So he expresses his grief, right? All directions are obscure. The teachings are not clear. With our benevolent friend, with the Buddha gone, it seems as if all is darkness. And then he, he explains what he understands he says, for one whose friend has passed away, one whose teacher is gone for good, there is no friend that can compare 
with mindfulness of the body. There is no friend who can compare with mindfulness of the body. This is from the poems of the elders from Ananda. Say, okay, with, with the, in, the awakened one gone, this is the doorway. This is my good friend, is this body right here. So those are a few thoughts about this, these two sections of the sutta postures and mindfulness in all activities, sampajana, full awareness in all activities. Uh, time for your comments, questions, thoughts. What would you, what did you hear? What was helpful? What wasn't? And please raise your hand on the screen. You go to the participants and that's how you raise your hand. Yeah. Hi, Jim, I'm gonna unmute you. Thank you, and I'm gonna try to put my video on. That'd be great. Where the hell am I? You're right here. <laughs> there I am. The problem is we're out here in Joshua Tree with no Wi-Fi, so we're just using our hotspots, and apparently uh -huh. Verizon only gives us a certain amount and then complains. So, but I couldn't figure out how to get on my phone. Okay. The password didn't work. Um, I've got always several questions, but the one that arises for me is so many, you know, I did a retreat with Analio last year in Spain. Uh -huh. in Spain. Oh, uh, really? Great. You might have answered the question. I didn't understand it, but um, it seems like so many of the meditations, especially in the first foundation of mindfulness of the body, require, for me anyways, a lot of conceptualizing, a lot of imagining, you know, of my body parts, of the four elements, things like that. And I so appreciate how you present it because it's very felt sensey. It's it's the kinet, kinesthetic sense of it as I hear it from you. But when I go to the original teachings, it seems like several of the meditations for me would require a, and do require a fair amount of like thinking, conceptualizing, imagining. They They may. They may require some of that, but then they're just, the, the thinking and imagining are just uh, bridges to the felt sense. And, mm. and because especially next uh, Thursday, we'll go into some of them that also were harder for me because they weren't my way of practicing. Uh, like with the elements, that was not my thing. And, uh, and we're going to, I'll do a guided meditation that goes through the elements and hopefully I'll guide it in a way that is totally felt sense. Mm. 
Okay. okay. So, oh, there you are. Now I see you. Hold my question till tomorrow, till Thursday. No, no, it's good. You could ask your question now if there's anything else about it. That, was really, that is really the question. I like that you said they're a bridge. I find yeah. that when I do them, I get stuck on the bridge and I never get to the other shore. Right. Well, you know, and I just get it in my head and I'm like, ah, forget it. And then I just go back to feeling my body. Yeah, well, feeling your body is good. And even when you're thinking about the um, elements you want to be feeling your body because that's where the elements are they're nowhere else so like feeling how my body reacts to the thought of no no, no. feel the elements are already in your body it's what's beautiful about the elements again i'll talk more on thursday but we're we're made we you know do you like nature jim yes okay do you know that you are nature? Yes. Right? You're made of all the same things nature is made of? I believe that. Okay, you believe it, but I'm saying you can actually start to experience it because it's true. Right? You know, last, last week I talked about all the action that I have in my face. Uh-huh. And fire is the element that I associate with this. That's good, see? And, you know, I bet there's some other elements, too, in your, in your mouth. Yeah, fire is the one that's the most, but I was even thinking like, like earth, and it's just not stable enough for it to be earth. It's just so much action. It, it reminds me of one of those massage chairs that are just, you know, they push, they have these little motors or these little rotors in there. Uh-huh. Push up against the fabric. That's how my lips feel. Uh-huh. Right. But how about your jaw? The jaw does get, get solid. Yeah, it does. Okay. Well, that's a whole nother element. So we'll, I'll point at this way directly on Thursday. We'll play with it together. Okay. Okay. Was there more than the elements that are difficult? Anything well, yes, about this? Yes, the, the body parts themselves, you know. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll go through that. We'll go through that, too. Don't worry. They're all here, those body parts. Hopefully. <laughs> you know, hopefully, and, you know, and even sometimes we're missing some body parts, but then the rest of the body parts are here. Good. Okay, well, I look forward to Thursday. Sure. Great. Thanks for coming online. Oh, Heather, let me get you now. Okay. Heather. Hey, Eugene. So... Yeah. Here's, I don't even know if there's a question here. There might be a question here, but so I was doing the practice while you were teaching. Mm-hmm. And so I reached for my tea. And my cat, you might hear my cat. She's running around doing a lot okay. of Okay, your, your cat's part of the class. <laughs> She's having a lot of fun right now. Okay, so I reached for my tea, right? I can feel my arm reaching. I pick up my tea. I taste my tea. And this is where it gets confusing because I'm tasting. What's confusing about it? Well, I don't know if it's confusing. It's just that there's so much happening, right? So then there's. There there is. And then the moving. And I don't know if I can taste and move at the same time, right? It's like intermittent taste, move, taste, move. You know what I mean? Yeah, but make it a little more relaxed than that. And then you can taste and move at the same time. 
okay, I kind of taste and move. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> In other words, awareness can be very broad or it can be very uh, precise. Right. So it's and, like, oh, go ahead, sorry. Well, just that the awareness is not, you're aware of both already, right? And, and it's true, if we're doing a more refined meditation, you want to stay with one thing. But you don't have to stay with one thing in this. This is all activities, and even all at once sometimes. That's where Uteshaniya is so great that way. He's like, oh, yeah, it's all happening. Be aware of all of it. Yeah, it's kind of like I can do like the full body breathing and have diffuse and feel my body and feel uh -huh. my body breathing. Uh-huh. And it's not so like I'm not just focused on one part of the breath, right? So that's right. the idea. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Good. We'll we'll keep expanding your awareness. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, cuz you'll be amazed. You can might be able to be aware of the whole world at once. Well, I mean, that I I keep thinking about going to the grocery store. You know uh -huh. what I mean? There's so much that you do at the grocery store, and I am a very relational person uh -huh. I want to relate to the person behind the counter yeah just re relate from six feet you know no, right i know but yeah. it's anyway i'll practice with awareness there but it just seems like almost too much oh yeah so no no I, i'm getting a little more what you're pointing at right even right now stay close to your body while we're relating and that's a cutting edge for most of us and when we're in, remember it said, uh, here, I'll, I'll read it right from the right, you know, full, full action, fully aware, um, full awareness when walking, standing, sitting, falling asleep, waking up, talking and keeping silent, right? And we're not used to doing it when we're talking, right? And that's cutting edge. That's great practice. You learn how to do that. It changes the whole world. Really? Okay. We'll play with it. Okay? Okay. Um, Katrina. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. I got you unmuted. Hi. Hi. Um, so as you were talking today about those different themes, First, the clinging to complexity. Then uh, the second one of Seda uh, Utejaniya as someone practicing during his work of a householder and a seller. Um, my question would be um, how we could actually bring these things together and uh, maybe cultivate uh, that during our 24-hour life, so during those times when we are at work, we are facing complexity, mm -hmm. how we can perhaps let go of that sense of complexity and invite some simplicity in those moments of... So the sim great, great question, because the simplicity is just being in the immediate moment. And there may be complex things happening or complex things to think about, but even the thinking is happening in the moment. Mm -hmm. And so can we be embodied in thinking? Mm -hmm. right? So if I'm thinking about those complex things, right. I just notice 
thinking happening is a simple. Right, thinking is happening, but also stay in your body while you're thinking about, you know, 20 different things. And how am I going to get this done? And where the hell is that? Oh, why didn't that person show up? And what happens if this happens? And da 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 da. And but then feel your body because you'll notice if you if you get attached to the complexity, your body will tense up. And so then the body becomes a thermometer for what it means to relax. I mean, I this is one of the ways I practice twenty four seven is I'll ask myself, am I relaxed? And if I'm not relaxed, why not? Because whatever happening, whatever is happening, I, I don't know how to say this exactly, but it's like whatever is happening, it's happening any, whether I'm tense or not. So why be tense about it, right? Even if I don't like what's happening, why be tense about it? Mm -hmm. And if, and because sometimes tension is a constricting or a clinging to, to trying not to feel how much energy comes when I'm angry, right? And I get to get angry. That's, there's not a problem getting angry. The problem is being identified with the anger or clinging to it or suppressing it. And anger has a lot of aliveness in it. And so, can I stay embodied when I'm angry? And even if it feels like, you know, I'm going to explode, let's see. You know, somebody will clean it up if I explode, you know. Right? So do you get a little bit what I'm pointing at? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, great. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Let's play with it this week and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Good. Okay, uh, who's there? Lynn. Oh, you're not unmuted yet, Lynn. There, there I unmuted myself. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Eugene. Um, so I like your jacket. Is that like leopard? That's my pajamas. Skin? <laughs> That's okay, but it's leopard skin, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I always so, thought like the old Bob Dylan song about leopard skin pillbox hats. I like that one. Um, interesting. Um, as you know, from many years of practicing my practice, um, I'm very nervous in my body right now, even though no one's in the room with me, just being live on the video, I feel right. I'm very aware uh -huh. that I'm shaky and my breath. So, being really close to the body and that experience. So, so is it okay to let the shakiness be here? Oh yeah, it's an old friend. <laughs> good, good, okay. Yeah, so um, not too comfortable, but it's okay. Good. But I good. wanted to say that um, these days I have a hard time sleeping at night. And so I'll wake up at one in the morning and just with my head spinning. Mm -hmm. And so I've been doing the practice you taught the three layer body scan. Oh yeah, we're going to do that next week. Great. Oh, I was going to ask you to talk about that and how to use that skillfully in the middle of the night while I'm spinning out. Totally great. That's one of the things that I use 
And one of the things I do every day in my practice, right? I do some version of that. And I do it just like you're doing it. If in the middle of the night I can't sleep that, and I don't want to just keep thinking about whatever I'm upset about, I just go to the body scan and do it. And I just do it until I go to sleep. And it's, you know, I didn't say this, but it's one of the postures that's a, a really a great win-win posture because if you practice, if you're mindful of your body lying down and you go to sleep, it's good. And if you stay awake and you're mindful, that's good too. So, but that's just a Eugene kind of thing. Yeah, well, I'm really appreciating it and just that, you know, your teachings are just always there with me. So thank you. Great. Um, thank you. Yeah. Another thing that's happening for me, um, I get to have hot flashes now. Oh, and so, congratulations. Wow, great way to be in the body. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's very compelling, I hear. <laughs> I, I don't have them myself exactly, but I, I have colds sometimes. That's very, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But really, but it is, it's interesting to be alive and see that we're not in control of our bodies. Right? Like it just starts happening. You have hot flashes. Yeah, I'm having one right now. <laughs> <laughs> Great. We're all watching you have a hot flash. <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's and it's just sensation and it's intense sensation sometimes but it, it's still just sensation yeah. it's not per, it's not personal it's a great way to practice you know, really great. appreciating it that's great thank great. you <laughs> thank you okay anybody else come on Who's, who would like to practice? I mean, who would like to speak, practice while they're speaking? Or not practice while you're speaking and speak anyways? Karen. Actually, oh, I need you. Hi, Karen. Hi. It's Francisco, Hi, I'm actually. Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> he disguises me. Okay. Go ahead. What uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I. is something that happens to me while, while I was meditating last week. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm right here with you. Okay. I'm, in your, I'm in your kitchen. Okay. <laughs> so what happened is that I, I noticed that when I start meditating, uh, I want to relax my body. I want to relax my thoughts. And also, <clears throat> I, wanna, I want to relax my, my breathing. And this, for 30 minutes takes me just fighting with the mind. So and, it, and after this time, I went to more than 30 minutes. I went to 40 minutes. So my, my idea was that 30 minutes takes me 
to try to calm the mind. I'm not meditating, just just to calm in calm in the mind. No, don't calm it. No? No. <laughs> <laughs> you see, you can relax much more if you don't try to calm your mind. Your mind's not gonna listen to you. Okay. So at least so far it hasn't. Okay. So what happened? This time I went more than 30 minutes. Uh-huh. I went like 40, uh-huh. 50 minutes. Uh-huh. And suddenly I noticed something very, very good. Uh-huh. I noticed that my, my, my thoughts will come. My breathing was deep. Uh-huh. And my body was a little bit relaxed. Uh-huh. And suddenly, I felt like I was, like it was, I was up in the air, and uh, I got uh, scared. I got scared. Uh, oh I no! You it. don't get scared. You're just I gonna fight. float away. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean it. You, you, you. Here's what I hear. So it's true. Sometimes length of time allows a lot to calm down. Like the uh-huh. mind calms down, everything calms down, the breathing, the body relaxes. And then you start to do this. So instead of this, where you're fighting with everything, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. after a while, everything gets tired of doing anything and it goes like this. And then uh-huh. samadhi rises and that is pleasurable and brings altered states of consciousness. So pleasure. So yeah. Much. yeah. I want- be there but I got scared yeah so then you want to be aware of the fear uh-huh. you want to be really kind to it don't fight with the fear very normal for animals to be afraid and we're animals and we get afraid even of spiritual states like samadhi but mm-hmm. it, the nicer you are to the fear the more it will relax Uh, I caught your I caught your attention there. Yeah, I think I was fighting with the fear as well. Yeah, it's not helpful to fight with fear. Yeah, it's it's an instinct that we have when we're in places we're not familiar with sometimes, like samadhi, and especially that floating feeling, like oh, all of a sudden, yeah, that's, yeah, that's like a real thing that can happen. It's very beautiful. Yeah, no, it is. This time I studied it. Yeah. So I got scared and then I, I, I caught it. I said, oh, I'm, no, 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 I want to wake up. Uh-huh. I, I right. don't, don't, don't wake up that way. Wake up through the, through the floating. Go okay. with the floating. In other okay. words, relax with the floating. Let it take you. What's the worst thing that could happen? You'll float away. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> No, really. It's, you know, I've done a lot of samadhi practice. I've had a yeah, lot of... Yeah. That's why I, I, I had this thought to, that I wanted to ask you. This. Uh-huh, sure. No, it's good. because so you finally wanna, I got my chance. Yeah, you, you want to yeah. learn how to relax with the different states of consciousness that can arise. Mm-hmm. And there can be like, they can be floating or they can be all kinds of things it's like i mean the probably the the most strange thing i ever had happen was was um everything stopped i mean stopped 
but it wasn't like, it was like I wasn't in this world and I wasn't in the next world. And it would just stop that it was like, and it was wild, but you know, and, and the teacher I'd worked with had warned me that something like that could happen. Right. He said, Oh, you're because my breath stopped. And it wasn't just a pause. It stopped. And it was like, and it was like, I wasn't here and I wasn't there. And it was an interesting experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, of course. <laughs> so, so let's just be open to this human experience that's sitting right here in your seat. Okay. Okay? okay. Good. Good. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh. Okay. Anybody else before we end? It's always nice to hear from people who've never spoke here, never spoken, spoke, spoken. Nice to hear from people who have spoke too. So even now where we don't know what's going to happen. Oh, somebody raised their hand. Hi, Jill. Um, Hi. Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, um, I've been trying to sort of gather my thoughts about, um, about this, but I was, I've been thinking about breathing a lot. And, um, you know, at the end of the last class, you told us to think about our relationship with our breathing. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, I have a very difficult relationship with my breathing because I have lung disease. Mm, yeah. Um, so I feel like in a lot of ways, I'm hyper aware of my breathing. Yes. Um, so I don't, I don't really know what else to say beyond that right, right. now. Yeah, yeah. But, no, that's very important. I'm glad you're saying it and putting it into the room because it's it calls for a different. Uh, uh, it calls for how to be skillful with something that has dukkha associated with it, right? If you have lung disease, and yet you're still breathing, right? And what's it like to be with the actual sensations of the breath, putting aside for a moment, not getting rid of or not denying or not throwing away, but putting aside the lung disease, there's still breathing happening. What happens if you're aware of the breathing, even right now, that's happening on its own? Um. What do you mean? What's happening? Well, what happens 
is for you? What's the experience like of being aware of the breathing? Um, well, right now, um, at rest, you know, I feel pretty good. Uh -huh. um, when I'm walking up a hill, mm -hmm. um, it's, it's a little bit scary sometimes because I feel like I'm going to stop breathing. Right. You know, and I have to stop and take a break. Yes. So then, so you're being aware of two things. You're being aware of the breath and the reaction to the breath and because of the limitations that are occurring in your body that are very normal in the sense that shit happens, right? Mm -hmm. We all get something at some point and, and they cause different kinds of problems for us. And in this case, yours is with the breath. And so um, two things is, um, and one thing is to notice that one of the things you're doing, which makes total sense, is you're evaluating how well you're breathing or not, right? By doing okay or not. And when you're sitting here, you're doing okay. And then I want you to be aware of the sensations of the breath when you're doing okay. When you're walking up the hill, I would not focus on the breathing. I would focus on the body walking. And, and of course, you're, you're going to be aware of the breath because you may have to go slow or stop. But that's not your primary focus. Your focus is on the body moving, even moving very slowly, and then standing. And so it's really using the, uh, the collective practice we're pointing at, both being mindful of the breath if you're sitting down and it's comfortable, then be mindful of the sensations of an in-breath and an out-breath and an in-breath and an out-breath. But if you're walking or an activity, be aware of your body. Don't focus on the breath except to support taking care of your body, which needs to breathe and may need to go slower or stop, like walking up a hill. Okay, I'll try that. Does that make sense? What yeah, I'm, I think so. Yeah, because um, then you're staying mindful the whole time. And that's what we want to encourage with this, what we're calling embodied awareness. Okay. And let's you know, I, get, I get a little bit obsessed with the breathing maybe, or I don't know if I even uh -huh. have any control over that. Um, right. But it makes, well, it makes me anxious and then the anxiety makes right. it harder to breathe and it right. sort of, you know, spins out. I end up, yeah. Right, so we're gonna keep expanding the instructions and we'll come to anxiety and all of that. But also, you, you're, you're already pointing at it, the anxiety has an impact on your body and on your breathing. And so that we don't, we wanna be aware of it because we also wanna not cling to the anxiety, mm -hmm. right? We wanna to begin to let go of the anxiety and see what happens. Yeah, for me, it's, a, it's been a lot of like just slowing down, um, you know, like leaving earlier to get someplace so I don't have to hurry, so I don't have to rush. Good. That's Stop very skillful. middle of the block to take a break if I need to. Yeah. Um, very skillful. Very important to trust your wisdom about this. Because that's what's needed. And you're, you're the... 
you're the Buddha of this body that you're sitting in. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you and appreciate you speaking up about it because often people, I don't know about you, are shy about talking about things like that, but it's part of the deal, you know, for all, for all of us sooner or later. Yeah. Yeah, great. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, so we're going to end. We'll just take a moment to offer our... Um, appreciation for a good fortune that we have the time of the place and the technology to uh, practice together during this coronavirus and during human life, which coronavirus is part of right now. And as we appreciate our good fortune, we want to offer it out in every direction in every world, in every domain, for every being. May all beings be happy and peaceful. May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings not cling to suffering. May all beings awaken. May we awaken together, all of us. May we discover our true nature, our Buddha nature, the nature of wisdom and compassion. May all beings be free. Thank you, everybody. Uh, Jeff, do you want to say anything about Donna? I think you're here, Jeff. Maybe you're gone. Uh, yeah, he might be gone. Anyhow, I'm just saying, Donna, thank you for your generosity. It's very helpful. It supports SFI and the teaching. And uh, you can go to the website. Here's what I know. You're supposed to there's PayPal now, and you can say where, which class you, you're offering Donna for. So thank you for your generosity, and really good to be with you all. And uh, I'll see you on Thursday. Take good care, everybody. Stay safe. <laughs>